Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. Very excited about today's guest and in fact, after editing this episode, I was just laughing to myself and just smiling to myself because it's such a great episode. Um, It's with Ray Earle, who is an amazing author and she is full of energy and just made me laugh so much. So I hope you enjoy this episode. She used to work in commercial radio and whilst doing that she wrote a book called My Mad Fat Diary which has now been made into a TV show and it's been shown in over 50 countries worldwide, um, has been nominated for two BAFTAs, an Emmy Award and has won two Mind Media Awards. In this episode we talk about how it's been 10 years since her first book came out And we also talk about her new book, which is called It's All in Your Head, which is a mental health guide that came out um, in August this year and it is available now. It is an amazing look at all kinds of mental health issues and really does give um, a really nice helping hand. I actually described it um, as a hug. It's a hug in a book and I really recommend um, you getting a copy of that. So I really hope you enjoy this one. Um, Yeah, it's it's a great conversation. We talk about social media, mental health, how to have an argument online. Um, there's a bit of a rant in the middle, which I really enjoyed. And just in general, I think Ray is such an amazing voice uh, to have talking about all of the different things that she went through as a teenager. And having come out the other side, I find her really inspirational. So I will stop waffling on now. And here it is. very excited for my guest today um someone that i pinned down because well it's very early isn't it i left home at five o'clock this morning <gasps> there were no taxis in my hometown before six. Oh, and early. they turn the street lights off is that usual now no they turn the street lights off between 12 and midnight and six so i walked in pitch dark oh with my mist, God. but i picked the most fantastic soundtrack it was like being in a video. It was the dream. So we've quite had quite the adventure to get here today. Yes, yeah, So we both really wanted to do this. I, no, I really did. And to me, Emily was like, oh, you okay? That's, that's the PR person, sorry, I should say. And to me, I was just like, I really want to do this. But that added to it. I love that. And a train journey and watching all the stats thanks to a stewardess. Quite the morning. Quite the brilliant morning before we've even started. It's been fantastic. Well, I've been dying to talk to you because um, I was sent your book, your newest book. It's all in your head, which I have here. And I really want to talk to you about that. But I wanted to ask you, first of all, I guess, being known for something that you did, well, My Mad Fat Diary, Mm. everyone will already know that's sort of the book that you are most known for. Is it weird that people do know you so well for that? Like, you you know, it's it's a very big part of what you are known for. I have to say, most of the response I get is lovely. Mm. I get, like we all do, get the odd troll and nasty comment on Twitter just ignore and just mute it just wherever they're that's wherever they are it's not where I am um it's it's nice because what you will tend to get is people identifying and it goes across a generation so a 40 year old will say oh, I was just like that 30 year old and somebody who's 16 now so it's kind of nice I don't feel exposed because yeah. it's nothing I didn't I wasn't exposed it's not something that went viral that I didn't you know, want to share. To me, yeah. yeah, to me, I'm, I was in control of what I shared and what I do share now in this book. So I'm fine with it. People are lovely mainly. They really are. Yeah, I feel like anything now that's 
true about being a teen is it is referenced back to that that book wow is it yeah a lot lot of my friends and I guess it's interesting that the book is set in the 80s but the tv show is in the 90s we've pushed it forward six years but yet I think we got a far better soundtrack by doing that (laughs) absolutely um do you know what's weird for me it's not one of the few countries in the world where it's never been shown in Australia is where I live interesting Mm. so nobody actually knows unless you've watched it illegally online nobody really has seen it so it's quite odd for me because there I'm an unknown kind of yeah. quantity you get the upper girl you know but yeah so I kind of live under the radar really so it's weird when somebody says oh you're are you the Ray Earl or the, what do you mean oh yeah oh I get you now I forget I genuinely forget that is that quite nice in a way um no because I don't get to go like things like the BAFTAs I missed out. <laughs> which I would have loved Um, it's nice in one respect in the way I can drip feed it to my son so when he was over here we we met up on Monday with some people actually in the book and in the series and they said do you know what your mum does and he goes yeah she writes but that's all he knows he's Mm. only seven it's not really matter of fact diary time (laughs) Um, but it's nice to be able to kind of drip feed that and not put it all on him too quickly yeah is it, is, it nice. ten, been ten, is it a 10 year anniversary or is it just 10 years since the book came out yeah 90 uh, 2097 <laughs> oh my god it does feel like 97 it was, was 10 years ago yeah it, it does um yeah 2007 the book came out so we've just had the 10th which is when i think about what's happened it's insane i almost can't think about what's happened if i did i think it would just freak me out a bit too much. I tend to just take it as things come minute yeah. by minute every second because yeah. otherwise it'd be too freaked out. Yeah, it's too freaky to kind of look back, isn't it? But then do you do you look back at that 10 year span and just think, wow, so much has come out of a book? Because apparently it's quite rare, someone told me that it's quite rare actually to write a book and for loads of stuff to happen because of that book. Normally a book comes out and quite depressingly sometimes it kind of disappears and I think that's a fair assumption of the situation yeah absolutely um, and I've written books where you write the book and you might get the odd bit of feedback but that's kind of it and the book is the achievement in itself and kind of you give it over and then you've got no control and I think that's kind of you know that's kind of the publishing process whether people take or they don't take to it is it's out of your control and people move on they d- absolutely people move on that, that is so true so what might be great this week might not be great in especially in our world now in two weeks yeah if you're hinting lovely Emma that I've been exceptionally lucky the answer no, is no, bloody no, hell no. yes I, oh I, my god yes I feel really weird about that luck, luck. I, I, so I do too but then I think it's like the luck and privilege thing is like on two sides of a coin I think it's I think I feel I examine a lot of things about this because I think luck is basically saying I, I didn't have a hand in it, which is I think is profoundly something I was told to do as a girl. If something good happened, it, not by my mum, but by society, my mum was the opposite way. You did that, Rach, you did it. Um, I think there is a, is a, it is luck though. You have to, it's opportunity meets luck that makes things like this happen but in terms of how the tv series went yeah it was it was weird because the lady who's really responsible for making it all happen was at another production company that i didn't go with then she moved to tiger aspect and dear old jude said we should do something with my mad fat diary but there was like a five-year gap between the book coming out and that and that's normal as well that's how long things take 
yeah, take, you know. Yeah. And then I get looking for casting because you get Sharon and you get the whole crew and you get Tom who, who wrote it and you get all these people. It just, that's luck. That's luck. And is that one of the, the best parts, was it, kind of working with other people, like other talented yeah. people? Because the, the thing I find most hard about being a writer is sitting on my own all day. And, and and I miss other humans, like, I mean, I'm talking to the wall. Like, I'm like Shirley Valentine, who, by the way, was three years younger than me in the film. That's depressing. <laughs> I suddenly realised the other day. Now, I, I, I end up talking to the wall, so it's lovely working with other people. I do really... Because I'm used to being in big radio stations where there was accounts and sales and engineers, and I, I miss, I do miss that very much. Sometimes I go into, this is tragic, but I go into my husband's radio station just for company and I work there. I know that's tragic. But no, I, I just, know what you mean. You want to be around. I need humans. People. I need, I want yeah. stories. I want yeah. people to tell me what they're doing. I don't want to sit there just watching Dr. Phil. There's nothing wrong with Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> but a dated, also, Australian daytime television, I can't even begin to tell you. This morning it isn't. Oh my God, and even this morning is enough to drive you out the wall. Well, you know, Emma, if you've had somebody going, well, Jean, that's a lovely new speaker you've got there. Yes, I got it from, I mean, that level of advertorial in the middle of a show. Oh my God. It's like, it's like 1976, I'm not even, <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> so how did it happen when you were working in radio? Did, it, did you just start writing the book? whilst you were working and then it sort of... What happened was, is I was about to bin them. So there was nine volumes and loads of bits of paper. I mean, the stacks. Um, and I was about to bin them and my husband, who I did the radio show with, said, we should do those on air. We, what? <laughs> really? Should we? Okay, okay. So I did them. They were very sanitised. So you got a lot about appearance, but you didn't get a great deal about mental health because at eight ten, when we, mm. they used to go out, you've got to be very careful what you say about sex, what you say about anything at that time of day on a, for a family show. Um, even in two thousand and three, even like you know fourteen years ago, things were different. Mm. To what and radio is meant to like pep people up, isn't it? And be like, yeah, and life you, is great yeah. on a Monday morning. And really, everyone's like, oh, here's Anastasia. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and <laughs> that's not going to go well with depression necessarily I mean like I say, things were different then um, and we did them in a very sanitised form and we got just got a huge response to them we, we really did and people said oh you know I, that was my life and there was me thinking that I'd had the worst adolescence ever mm-hmm. when everybody has the worst adolescence ever even the people you think that are you know swanning through the swan in the book mm-hmm. now even the people who think you know are just going through and nothing's bothering them um so then I thought, okay, I think, I think we could turn this into a book. This is nice. So I wrote them down, edited them a bit so they made sense because there were some points in, in both My Mad Fat Diary and My Mad Fat Diary, both books, where I was clearly very unwell and I didn't make any sense at all. Um, so I edited them a bit and, yeah, they, they obviously hit something in the... Mm population that hadn't been spoken about or hadn't been spoken about enough or I, I think it just grabbed something and I think that's why it rolled I think the timing was right too I think we were ready for that conversation and this is what's really interesting at the moment like with your your new book that I I absolutely loved is thank you it's, it's kind of I'm getting better at compliments <laughs> I'm getting better <laughs> at receiving them quietly I'm like mm-hmm. 
I'm not gonna go into a weird like self-deprecating spiral. Um, I still do that though. And the other day I was on stage with 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 gorgeous Susan Cowman and Sarah Millican and Emma Sams Fallon oh, from Dynasty. Wow. Exactly. And I find I found myself within about ten minutes talking about piles. And I think it's because I just default to deprecation and bodily functions. Almost like, well, this is where I'm comfortable with bowels and buns. <laughs> Pathetic, but true. And I just default. And I actually got home and, and, and just thought, Ray, why? Why? But actually, if you read Kenneth Williams's diaries, he does exactly the same thing. It's like this default mechanism we have and we can't stop it. It's like... We deprecate. Yeah. And I can't work out where deprecation stops and where Ray starts. I just talked about myself in third person. That was ironic. But do you know what I mean? Where you start and it sort of stops. So yeah. I know I, I have that when it's like a bird's eye view and I'm like watching myself and I'm like, why are you saying that? Yes. Stop saying it. And I think, Ray, you cock. <laughs> <laughs> and I can almost see myself, but I can't stop myself. And I, I, I'm still... Which is kind of the point I'm making in the book. We're not perfect and we're not getting it right all the time. You know what? It doesn't really matter. So I'm just not causing damage. Yeah, and that was t- this kind of similarities that it feels like with, with your, with um, my fat teen, uh, teenage, my, I'm sorry. No, I t- no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I tell you why you're getting confused. It was, a re- the book was originally called My Fat Mad Teenage Diary. Yeah, that's it. That's, and so yes. you're not getting yes. confused, you're getting it right. So the, we changed it to TV series, the far more Got it. I was like, why do I keep saying no, it No, because like you're, that? you're getting it right. Then we changed it to My Mad Fat Diary. Right. Which actually is a better title, and I would have called it that. So the book was re-issued right. as that. So actually, you're right, you see. So okay, good, good. You've doubted yourself unnecessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but it basically well, opened a can of worms, lots of people totally identified with it and then I feel like at the moment we're in this other wave of social media oversharing mm. with a lot of people going me too I have anxiety or I have this and it feels like everyone has it I think- and, and almost people I've interviewed recently who were saying I almost feel bad saying that I have it too because it's like I'm just going along with it because it's a thing it's a thing um I think we've we've got to learn the difference between anxiety, which is rational, like the anxiety I had today, which was I'm getting up at five, I'm meeting Emma, I really like her glasses, she's really cool, can't mess this up. I mean, that that's a really honest thought process. That's legitimate anxiety, and I can tackle that and go, doesn't really matter. Because she's lovely. <laughs> I can tell her I love her glasses. I can, you know, I can go, I can tick each one yeah. off. The difference with real anxiety, and I had it on Monday morning, I woke up inexplicably with my heart beating. I couldn't explain it. I had nothing that day. Everything in my life was well. Everything, North Korea hadn't kicked off again for a while. You know, there was nothing, there was no trigger. So to me, life is anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you've just got to learn to manage it. Which sounds like I'm saying pull yourself together. I'm not. There's a difference between that and that horrible, legitimate, constant, life-sapping anxiety. Mm. That's really interesting. And I think it's interesting for the reason as well, for people that don't have never and will never have anxiety. Because to know... So, do you know what? Sorry, that's a really No, no, no. I think what it is, is I get... I do a lot of public speaking... I do a lot of things that like put myself out there. Um, so I get anxiety 
But I don't. I get anxious. I get. I feel like, oh, I'm a bit scared. I'm doing a talk, which is and legitimate. my heart is. And I um, I love rescue remedy. I get a bit jittery before a flight. This is normal stuff. Absolutely. But I think what's what's like important is that the the fact that we're talking a lot about depression and anxiety is amazing. But like a human reaction is like, oh, I, I think I have that. But maybe you don't. No, maybe you're just sad about something. That's fine shouldn't medicate sadness shouldn't medicate the human condition your fear you have before public speaking is completely legit why and your heart have... rate's meant to go up because of course it is adrenaline kicks in and yeah. then that probably makes you an even better performer than you would be in the st- because your body knows what it's doing your brain knows what it's doing mm. i think what i try to do in the book is kind of say there's life skills there for for general stuff but then also how do you know when it's become a problem for precisely yeah. this reason because mm. Like I say, I still get anxious. I like the way you just split up anxiety and anxiousness. I get anxious before something like this, but that's different to anxiety. Mm. That has a cause. And when we're finished this, not when we're finished. That sounds like a trial. <laughs> but you know what I mean? When we're when that whatever I've got to do is tackled, like you're public speaking, I will feel better. Mm. Um, and that's different to anxiety. And that's why anxiety needs to be taken really, really seriously, doesn't oh, it? Because I have friends who have diagnosed anxiety, mm. and that, what you're talking about, is, is that's a whole other... And, and for me, when I, and it's funny being back, actually, in, in my hometown, because I walk around and I think, God, my life was so compromised by that, and therefore my potential was so compromised by that. So where I could be educated, where I thought I deserved to be, there's nothing wrong in Hull University, by the way, but perhaps I would have gone even further, but I was so compromised. So much of my life was rituals and worry and anxiety and hiding in my room that socially, academically, professionally, it it stole, it stole from parts of my life. Mm. And that, isn't I'm not getting that back I'm not getting being 18 again back which is probably good (laughs) but I would love it again with this head that can manage that with the tips that I've just had to learn because we Mm. didn't talk we we didn't talk about these Mm. things you just were told to get on with it but nobody told you how to get on Mm. with it so it was some bad things that I put in place and some good things that I put in place to manage it what was the moment when you realized you needed to write this book that's a good question. Because in my head, I was imagining that you had done so many book signings over the l- last decade for, my, for the book, and maybe you'd met people in real life and thought, no. I could help, or was it more of a sort of, I want to write all of this down myself? It, it was... I think it was because I was still get a lot of um, social media feedback saying, how did you get from A to B? And I think the show... The response to the show made me fit, bar the idiots, which you cannot base your life around, and they were definitely a minority. Um, I think that I felt that I'd gained enough experience to just be of help to somebody. But yeah, you picked up on something really important there. Actually, writing that was very, very hard because it's it's quite you're reliving all these not good times. But at the end of it, I really it helped me understand how I'd got from A to B, which I hadn't before. Mm-hmm. And you see my Mad Fat Diary, and you see Teen Ray that version, and then you see middle aged perimenopausal Ray, and you wonder how that went from there to there. I think that's allowed me selfishly. That's allowed me to sort of get my head around that whilst hopefully sharing stuff that 
that people because I, I, I just didn't feel that there was anything I, there's lots of books about mindfulness there's lots of great books but I didn't feel there was anything that was like you know what we're all a mess and that's fine and this is how to make life better if you're a mess which you will be if you're human I didn't feel that was that level of candidness mm. I felt I hadn't seen it but it might be there but I hadn't seen it yeah no, and I'm quite happy to say I'm a cock sometimes <laughs> and I can't help it I don't want to be but I get things wrong and I'm going to get things wrong and I will still get things wrong mm. you know so like talking about piles on stage <laughs> sorry it's not very no, glad no I, but it's a fact I did I saw Susan Kalman speak at Edinburgh God, book good. festival last year and it and I couldn't believe actually some of the stuff she was saying about how she was told to pull herself together, stiff up a lip. Like the way that people dealt with any sort of mental health issues. I, my psychiatric ward experience in reality felt like a punishment. That's all I can say. It felt like a punishment for being a bad girl. That's the truth, Yeah. some of it. And this was a long time ago. Remember this was, this was and not all of it, not all of it, some of it. Um, and this was 30 years ago next year, so it's important to say we have moved on since then a great, great deal. But there was nowhere to put me. I was in an adult psychiatric ward, so that was inappropriate. Mm. And it was very confronting. I was a very innocent 16-year-old as well. Um, so for me, if you take how it was 30 years ago, people might think there's a saturation point of books, but there hasn't been enough and if we're talking about yeah. how books are received if one of those books makes a difference if I had been able to pick up a book and it said you've got intrusive thought OCD you're not actually the devil that would have freed up that would have been mm. worth that person writing that book just for me because it would have given me my life mm. and it just wasn't there so we may think there's lots of books about it but actually compared to books about um, physical health not that there's a difference but for one yeah. of a better phrase so true you know, yeah. the book that I have loved recently is Robert Webb's book, which I think if you're from Lincolnshire as well, it <laughs> you just think, yeah, because yeah. where you live as well has a huge bearing. And I mm. try to explain to people Lincolnshire is like a, a, a country on its own, really. And how he describes it, I get it. And how he describes how he was like put down that way of being a, a certain type of boy, I felt that way about being pushed down that made a certain type of girl. So the more books like that, the better. How can it How can it hurt? No, exactly. And I hate this snowflakes business. I <laughs> hate snow. It's, it's such bullshit. And you know what? I remember somebody, the person who was great with me when I was really ill was my great granddad. He died in 1989 when I was, um, what, 16, 17. He was like, 90 odd it's really until right to the end he was really clear as a bell lived on his own he'd been in the Somme and he'd been in Ypres and he'd been in the First World War and he had the most appalling stories yet he had time for me and how to manage his head because he was still suffering from that period this snowflake bullshit is this awful cynicism of the older generation yeah. to put the younger one down like inherently they're better bollocks it's bollocks it's like this idea there was always a golden age all 30 years ago it's better horseshit it's the middle of the cold war the world's always been sorry i'm ranting mm. now but no, it's really important yeah the, the, it's always been scary the world has always been terrifying do not buy the lie that somehow you are inherently weaker it's horseshit 
total whore. It makes me furious because I was dismissed as that. I was dismissed as the weak one, the one that wouldn't cope. Fuck off. Bollocks. I'm sorry. It's, you cannot predict how people are going to go in life. You cannot. The people who were so-called sorted when I was younger perhaps haven't had the trajectory they thought they were going to have. You can't write people off. Mm. And that's so, so true because I think one of the things that's quite insidious at the moment is like, the, like how we try and divide generations. And it's like millennials are idiots, Generation Z are obsessed with their phones, baby boomers are greedy. Like everyone has this label. And I feel like actually what you're saying is that surely the generations are going to be more closer together. Like, I feel like th- that's not the pull your socks up that it's maybe other generations out. would have done. What is helpful about pull your socks up? There is nothing wrong in saying to somebody, you know what, sweetheart, you're not very well. We've got to work out a way to get you better. We've got to work out a plan to facilitate you to get well. Okay, And this is what we're going to try. Because let's face it, the first thing might not work. So let's try A, B, C, and let's just be with you and let's go through it. And you've got to put in the work too, okay? If somebody done that to me, I'm off. But pull yourself together. Mm. What does that actually do? That, it's like, it's just Piers Morgan's lo- uh, slogan, isn't it? Well, me, <laughs> me and Morgan would, would have a, a full and frank conversation about that. Um, because it's just, it's, it's easy. It's easy. Mm. And when you write somebody off like that, you are missing out on their potential to contribute in ways that I think is lazy and cruel and cynical bullshit mm. bullshit I'm ranting now no, I'm, I love I'm it. sorry you made me I rant. love a rant oh, I love a rant <laughs> um, no I don't think my husband does <laughs> have you finished no and another thing but I also love a rant that is like this is why I love podcasting is because I feel that in 40 minutes yeah. you can actually have a conversation that Leads to a rant. It's, it's, it's a conversation you need to listen to in full. Yeah. It's contextual. It's a conversation. Somebody will go to like, wherever this minute is, and go, sure, she's a bit much, isn't she? What the hell's going on right But it's the same with books. It's, it's the same with like long, any long form thing yeah. where you can get your head around something. But there is a chapter on social media and there's a lot of conversation about social media in here. What's your relationship like with the, the web? I'm on it too much. I'm on it too much. My mum was really snarky last night because I went on university. I, I went. I didn't go on university challenge. I wasn't a contestant. But she put on university challenge. And I'm not being funny. I mullered it. I was getting question right after question right after question right. And I was doing a victory lap every time. Because I was, you know, And my mum said, yeah, well, I'm not surprised you're so learned because you're always on that phone. Oh, mum, Bob. <laughs> Straight. Although it's like a backhanded compliment. No, it's just backhanded. <laughs> My mother wasn't meant to be a government. Um, I think I'm on it too much. I think I get down... I'll never forget one of my favourite tweets ever was I tweeted, I've just gone down a YouTube rabbit hole for about an hour and mm. somebody tweeted if actual adults do this I've got no chance. I thought, oh my God, I'm an actual <laughs> adult. So that true. is depressing. Um, I think I'm on it too much. I enjoy Twitter very much um, and I enjoy how it is but I can put it down Mm. I can put it down Um, Facebook for friends which is I I tend to find if you divide them up it's probably different if you're a to some degree have a public profile Mm. but if you divide them up like just Facebook's just for mate Um, Twitter just like publicly Instagram 
nice, lovely, you love Instagram, nice photos of London. I feel like I'm different people on different yes. ones. Because well, Twitter, I'm like really angry and really snarky. Yeah. And then on Instagram, I'm like, oh, nice things. But 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 the only thing is, Twitter's a bit like being in a playground, I think, even at 45 and seeing the cool kids over there and thinking, am I part of the cool kids? <laughs> you know, and that's pathetic. And then you hate yourself for even caring because you're 45. Um, but yeah, I think I think I can get off it. I think I, like I can give said. it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can give it up. Shake it. You can turn no, back at I can, any point. I can turn back at any point. No. But yeah. I do like the bits about um, what to share or, or how to even objectively ask yourself, what do I want to share? Well, it goes back to your, and this is a really interesting thing, and I don't know if I've got the answer, but I, I talk about it in the book. It goes about goes back to what you want to share online and this is this is different because I would just put everything in a diary and there it stayed till I chose to publish it now there are bits of that diary usually it's about other people that I have will never burn now I burn them and I would never share for good reason I think if you're young why are you sharing it I think you've got to ask the question Mm -hmm. why are you trying to get attention? That's fine. It's fine to want attention. But would it be better sought in a more intimate atmosphere? Because when you put something out there, you've got to own it. Because I know this, if you put your life out there, because I can see sometimes people looking at my arms to look for the self-harm scars, and you think, okay, well, that you know what, though? I've put that there, and that's fair enough. But then I'm 45, and there is a huge difference between being 45 and being 16. Mm. Just not because I'm smarter, not because of anything, just because I've been on this earth more, around the block more, and I've just got more experience of life. And I can I can say, okay, I did that when I was 16, but I don't do it now. Mm. So I think what you share, has to, you have to be really mindful. And that's yeah. an extra pressure that I never had to think about because these things didn't exist. Yeah, me, me too. Like, I, I don't remember... No, you wouldn't have had it either. No, and, and I feel that it's very powerful to share things that you want to share because, well, when you write, like, any sort of non-fiction, you're Absolutely. like, this is my story, I get to tell it, here it is, my terms. But... That story's there forever, you have to be. I feel like you have to be at a point where you definitely know that's what you want to share. I, God knows what I would have put out when I was, like, 11 years old. If, that scares me. If... I can say this with total confidence. If we'd had this when I was 16, we would not be having this conversation now. Mm. No way. I would have damaged myself to a point where I either overshared completely or didn't share at all. So for me, that's where I go on high alert. Because Isn't that so interesting? Because when I interviewed Liz Gilbert for this podcast, she says about how Eat, Pray, Love wouldn't exist if she had Instagram because she would have just Instagrammed the trip. And then... How interesting. And then we would have lost out on that. Yeah. So what are we actually losing out on? So maybe we should hold stuff back and... Yeah. Consideration. I think I have it too. I think, okay, I'm going to get that out now. I must post that now. (laughs) Why? The world is not... I say that in the book. The world is not... Unless you're a world leader, which because you're probably, you know insane anyway um, <laughs> the world is not waiting for your opinion on anything you know you, you may might well want to talk to you about go and ring them up it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, old, it's old school but go, go and see him for a coffee the world is not waiting for your opinion that sounds like you don't matter you do matter but it's actually liberating you don't need to 
I don't need mm. to have an opinion on everything. Because very easy to, like, there's been lots of stories here and there in the news, li- little local stories, but, like, people tweeting something inappropriate and losing their internship when they're, like, <sighs> 17 or accidentally saying something really offensive and their university kicking them out. Like, it. I feel almost... I don't feel sorry for anyone because I do feel like if you're old enough to know better, but is it fair for your whole life to be tainted by like a silly little tweet? Well, like I said I to you... I guess this is the whole public shaming Exactly. Thing. The John Ronson book, yeah. which actually totally... Because I've been involved in, in... I don't think to a member of the public, but certainly to, I say, a politician, I've been involved in you're a cock discussions on Twitter. Not... I, I haven't said you're a cock, but I've basically made some snark. Um... It's really problematic, isn't it? Because we, as we were talking about before, we're trying to change a a culture that isn't fair. So we are on everything that we perceive to be not fair. But by doing that, are we actually shutting people? I think we should give young people a break. Mm. It's age for me. If a 45-year-old makes that remark, bollocks. You should know better. If a 25-year-old, forgive me, but or 15 or 25, come on. Yeah, you, you can tell them to balls, but they shouldn't be. Their life should not be ruined. I even feel like even about three or four years ago, when I was twenty-four, there's some stuff. I, there's some stuff I've said on Twitter that like I would not say now. There's some stuff, and I would get like called out and been like. But then I feel like that's part of the learning process. Actually, things where people would say. I don't agree with you. Have actually been moments in my life where I've been like, ooh, big learning moment there. Yeah, actually, I I relate to that because I was talking about referring to myself, I live in Australia, I was referring to myself as an expat. And somebody very politely, and they addressed it perfectly fine, but it's very factual, they said, can I ask you why you refer to yourself as an expat and not an immigrant? Mm. And I suddenly realised, by saying I was an expat and not an immigrant... I was somehow being culturally superior, which is bullshit. Now that's where language and ling- linguistics does matter. And ever since then, I've called myself an immigrant because that's exactly what I am. That's so interesting because I love moments like that where you're, you're it was, it's like it's 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 not someone being mean or no, someone being. They called me out and yeah. they called me out in an utterly appropriate. I can't remember. I should remember their name and I can give them credit. But they called me out in a manner that was completely appropriate. Not rude. They didn't call me an idiot. They just said they gave me an opportunity mm. to learn and a change yeah. my behaviour. Now it's up to me then whether I do or not. But I suddenly thought it genuinely was mm. like a light going. I on. think we need more of that for sure. We need to teach people how to argue. Mm. Yes. I mean, you can't argue with fascists. Clearly, they, they <laughs> yeah, can there box. is a line. They can box. But I do like. I do think, um, especially if you're someone who is sort of public in the way of like your mm. writing and stuff what I don't like is when someone disagrees with a tiny little thing like really something tiny like I like red shoes not blue shoes like something totally mm. and then they'll be like oh I disagree I don't like you now and it's like what, what do you how, do with that how do you not suddenly like someone I wouldn't even respond to that but what, I, what I don't like is when it's like a matter of taste then because that's, because that's what we're not ta- again these are the key things we're not taught in school I can give you a great example I do not and I this is heresy I do not find Monty Python funny at all I know you're pulling a face Emily Pierre, lady. Um that is a matter of taste 
That's fine. Are we saying those programs are awful? No, we are not. We are just personally saying at this moment in time, I don't find Monty Python funny. Every couple of years I go back to Python and say, okay, I'm gonna try again, see if I've changed. <laughs> Hasn't it yet? But you see, it's heresy because you're stupid, don't like it. No, I'm not saying it's bad. It's clearly iconically brilliant. I'm just not yeah. feeling it. Yeah. You know, you're not feeling the bake-off. <laughs> Is this the new version or the old version? I mean... I just think I'm not like... Well, actually, my other one, I might cut this out, is... Um, no, don't, no, 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 no. No, I don't like dogs. Oh, that's mental, sorry. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. No, no it's not, no, it's not, no, don't cut Darling that out. Because, 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 that's no. No, like, the thing is, like, but I can't really go around saying that. Why not? People Hang love on. dogs. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's a really important thing here. There is nothing, we have this in the car. Because a personal hate of I love mine, how I was like, I might cut that No, don't cut that it's because it's brilliant. A personal hate of mine is this new thing. Actually, it's a different point, but I'll come to that in a minute. It's fine to hate dogs. It's fine, no, it really is, I'll be honest with you, it's a big step for me, but. Um, hate, thinking you, you know, thinking you don't like dogs it's very different to being mean to dogs. Yeah. So it's fine not to like dogs. <laughs> I'm looking at you in a different way, I freely admit. But, um, no, I actually do like dogs. I just no, wouldn't, no, 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 I no, just no, wouldn't, no. I just wouldn't have one on my sofa dribbling. That's like I don't fine. want a dog. Emma, that's fine. <laughs> okay, that's totally fine. That, you know, if you, it's fine not to like dogs. Okay. <laughs> it's like this new thing. You're not. You're <laughs> not okay with this. You're like, it's fine. I'm just triggering, staring into space. Look, I think it's fine not to like dogs. Right? Because this is a vlog class. It's called. You see me putting a face. It's fine. It's it's action and words. It's like this new thing. Oh, we like Donald Trump because he speaks his mind. What is so cool about speaking your mind? If I spoke my mind, I. I know. Contribution to other people's it's lives. It's like you've got to be careful of the friend who's like, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. What bullshit is that? You don't need that. And it's just their honesty. It's not the truth. The truth <laughs> is often as variables, you know? So it's fine not to like dogs. <laughs> Ray shifts chair to left. <laughs> no, but that's a really good point. It's, it's fine not... And then you it can It doesn't say, have to be like a binary decision exactly. on whether you like someone as a person absolutely and then you've just you've just said well this is the reason why so i can say okay well i can get dribble on sofas you know if you've got a fabric also sofa. my dad was bitten by a dog when he was younger and i think formative um what your parents like and don't like at, at that age like my mum doesn't like cucumber i can't eat cucumber like i, I do think this stuff i think we can all <laughs> jump on that one. love it right well Have i we could talk on? to you i could talk to you for <laughs> hours last question which i'm sad about um, what are you, I always ask this, what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year? It doesn't have to be work related or it can be, can be anything ran random. Okay, I'm looking forward to um, uh, the new series of The Crown. <laughs> <laughs> intense self-loathing. Uh, but I really am. And uh, I'm looking forward to Christmas because I love it. Yes. And I'm looking forward to, um, I've got a series starting in Australia about a girls soccer team. Wow. And I'm, I'm gutted because on the day, I've written it with other people, but the day that I fly back to Britain, they're showing it in Federation Square in Melbourne oh, for International wow. Day of the Girl. Am I missing it? Why do you keep missing I big events know. on both I'm sides? Sure, doing it on purpose. I'm being to think they don't want me at parties. I'm actually really well behaved. Like I say, like the beer canary, I just kind of see things before they happen. Um, but yeah, so, do you know, I really look forward to lots, 
I look forward to going to the Lena Valley Post Office where I live to see John and Michelle. I look forward to pretty much. I just like getting out. Does that sound a bit pathetic, Emma? No, I'm so no. sorry. I like that because actually sometimes when I talk interview other writers, I, it's very insular to the point of That's... I could stay in my house for a long time, but I also love people. It's like that balance. Because you oh, need to be on your own a lot as well to get I stuff done. I shut the curtains <laughs> and the post, the, the parcel man's got a special knock, so I know it's Justin <laughs> or Greg. Um, and But then I just shut the curtains and I do hide away because you have to to get in that world to write. Um, but I love getting Sounds like out. you've got a good balance of the two. I love public transport. I can't. I know public transport comes with its own associated problems, but <laughs> I do love public transport. Music and public transport, because nobody talks to you because you've got mm. these on full blast. It's perfection for mm. me. And being coming on trains. Trains are my big thing. Love trains. <laughs> so I'm yeah, looking forward to more trains. There's no trains in Tasmania. So, yeah. So trains. Yeah. I no, guess- I'm the same. Like, sometimes, like, people say, oh, poor you, you've got a three-hour train later. And I'm like, no, it's peace and quiet looking out the window. Love if, it. If I've got a seat, a notebook, and an iPod, yeah, and on earth. <laughs> Don't even need a coffee. I just need that. And leave me alone. Oh, and a ticket. That helps. But, yeah, yeah I'm heaven. fine. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. You very Thank much. You. That went quick. Didn't yeah, really it? quick. I think that, my I love rant that. took about thirty-five no, minutes. That's my favourite part. Also, dog shock took about. <laughs> I know. Which I'm dog. Gate. I'm worried now. No, don't what, what friends am I going to lose? I think it was beautiful. I think dog gate was beautiful. Do you know what? There is there is one thing that makes me feel better about it is Jill Soloway. In her book, there is a chapter on how she doesn't like dogs. It's not just me. No, it's not, I think there's loads of people. Oh, what if there's secret dog haters out there? I think there are, but as long as you don't harm the dog. No, 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 I like cuddle, the, I would cuddle cat. a dog. Mm, would I though? I think I'd just pet it from afar. You can just smile at it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but see, we have differences and yet we have a love for each other. Do you know what though? <laughs> and that is the key thing. We're all different. As long as we're trying to be lovely, we're fine. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Emma.